Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by my partner, Jordan Climac, to get his take on all things preseason. Jordan, I gave a quick couple thoughts after the game. I actually went back and watched the game in full on Sunday. I recorded it because I'm, I'm a Props sick to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sick human being. But uh, And I didn't have a whole lot to do on my Sunday, to be fair. But... Uh, Let's get right into it, man. What what were your you know what was your biggest takeaway from that the Browns' first preseason game on Saturday against the Jacks? 23-13 victory for those keeping score out. Yeah, I mean I I don't read too much into these things regardless of of, of the you know the situation. It's preseason, right? Like I, I would go on Twitter and and all of a sudden you see like Justin Fields is going to be the next Joe Montana. You know Trey Lance is going to be the next Joe Montana. Zach, Will, like every single person, it's 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 preseason hot take after preseason hot take. And honestly, I got to say I'm here for it. <laughs> to be honest with you, it just <laughs> it just means that football is back, right? Like I was going through my timeline, like this man, that's hot. Whew, man, that's hot. And I was like, ah, you know, football is officially back. People are going crazy for the preseason. But uh, as it relates to the Browns and, and their game on Saturday. Again, not reading too much into it, Henry, but the one takeaway that I had, the one word, the kind of theme that I got from that game was depth. Um, depth, the, the Browns' third string um, played really well. Uh, seemed like their backups played better than Jacksonville, which I don't know if that's saying much, but Henry, the fact of the matter is a lot of the guys that we saw play for majority of that game on Saturday aren't gonna, we're not going to be seeing them on Sundays come September, right? So the fact that those guys showed out balled out one to me it just screams depth the team has depth and there's going to be a lot of uh, players that don't make this team that other teams are going to poach and that's kind of the exact opposite of how it's been for the Browns right I mean it it was always the exact opposite of you know the Browns are poaching people from practice squads or okay this guy got cut that guy got cut let's go see if they have anything it's the exact opposite now the Browns are the team with those guys that are going to get cut and picked up so depth for me I guess was really my one and kind of only takeaway from that game Henry well, that's a good point that, and I did not talk about that yesterday, is that the Browns are going to cut guys that are going to be on other rosters in the NFL. They, they have enough players at certain positions that, that there, are, there are going to be other rosters that take a flyer on these guys. The Browns, they're just going to be squeezed in terms of the number of roster spots. That being said, I think there was also some encouraging signs about some depth pieces that may be on this Browns roster, too. Uh, you know, a guy like an A.J. Green, I thought looked really, really solid out there. We mentioned him before on the podcast, but I had heard from somebody that he had been having a great camp. And then he took that to the field, too. And I think there's a real chance, you know, he gets to be potentially that fourth outside corner on the roster. Or maybe they keep six corners and have M.J. Stewart kind of, you know, as a backup for Troy Hill in the slot, but then also have A.J. Green available, something like that. So, there was some of that uh, encouraging depth, I would say, too, for the roster. Where you're going to see that Michael Dunn, I thought, was just mashing people on the offensive yeah. line, which could be really key if, if you know Batonia or Wyatt Teller misses any time. So, yeah, that that part was definitely encouraging. I mean, the, the Browns absolutely dominated in terms of, of the third strings. Yeah, whatever that means at the end. But and speaking of depth, though, uh, Demetrius Felton, man, how about that? Um, you know, everything I've been hearing from training camp and I saw it firsthand um, up and close, he was lining up at slot. 
again, I was out there at practice uh, last, not this past Friday, but the Friday before that, Henry. I think he was in the slot the whole time. I didn't even see him in the backfield, lined up in the slot a lot in that preseason game. And he made some plays, man. I mean, that guy made some catches out there. And I, look, if he's going to succeed in the slot, he's a guy with speed, right? Like he's a, he was a punt returner, kick returner down at UCLA. And I think a lot of people have kind of envisioned him as that for the Browns. So if he's got that speed in the slot and he's able to make plays over the over the middle of the field, and you saw Don, the emergence of Donovan Peoples-Jones, then you still have the Hollywood Higgins, the Kaderil Hodge, of course, OBJ and, and Jarvis. Like All of a sudden, it seems like that wide receiver room might be a little more crowded than we even thought, because I think it's safe to say that everyone agrees that I think um, Dearness Johnson is, is penciled in as that number three running back. So where does that leave Demetri Felton? That leaves him in the wide receiver room. And what's going to come out of that? There's a lot of bodies in that room. Does that mean we might see a surprise cut there? I don't know. But I think the emergence of Felton in that slot position was definitely something to be seen on Saturday as well. Well, and I'm not so sure, you know, Johnson couldn't be that, that surprise cut. But you mentioned it with Felton. 90% of his snaps came from the slot wide receiver position. Four, I think he had four catches on the night from that spot. And yes, exactly. Like this, this receiver room is getting really crowded. And if he's almost going to be a gadget type player, you know, you almost wonder for a guy like Anthony Schwartz. I know Browns fans were really excited about him on some potential reverses, screens. That's where a lot of his numbers were best in college. But he might be getting squeezed for snaps if it turns out Felton's a little bit more of a gadget player that fits what Kevin Stefanski's looking for early on. Now, Schwartz may develop, you know, into a more complete receiver down the line. Uh, I'm certainly not ruling that out. But the, I thought Felton showed a lot. And as I was thinking about it, I mean, there's just – there's so many, so many spots on the field for all of these guys. And it feels right. like the Browns just have a ton of, of talent there and room to kind of play with things. Yeah, it just goes back to depth. Having a lot of good players on the team for really the first time that I can remember, a team being this deep and, and being that successful. And it was really just a poised performance too, right? Like it's, it's kind of seemed like that. Like that was the first action we saw of Kevin Stefanski in the preseason, right? Like we had – there was no preseason before uh, last season, obviously COVID and all that. So there wasn't a preseason. This is the first we got to see of him. And Henry, I just think like, obviously it's cliche to say of, you know, the team takes on the head coach and all of that, but like, could that have been more evident on Saturday? It was a preseason game. The team looked prepared. I think they only had two penalties the entire game. One of them coming on rookie James Hudson. So you kind of excuse that you expect the rookies to have some penalties, but they only have two penalties and kind of just be as poised and look as under control as the team did. I mean, that just speaks volumes to Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year and everything that he's been able to do and bring to this team, Henry. The discipline is huge, and that has not been present in years past, both in preseason and in regular season. We've seen that be an issue for Browns teams. So, uh, you know, it's obviously good to see that carrying over and being kind of a, a message starting from preseason game number one. Jordan, my biggest takeaway, I thought, was I, I was going to, you know, the rookies as a whole shining, I would say, was there, but in particular, Jeremiah Wusa Koromoa. I mean, the guy started out as like, the third, you know, the third linebacker on, on the depth chart for his position. Obviously, there were some COVID circumstances that led to that. However, what a, I mean, what more could you ask for in the small sample size and what you got from him? You had the run stuffs, you had him shooting the gap, you had him pick up a sack. He looks 
not that big, but I, you know, I almost said that that could be spun as a positive. I think a lot of the best off ball linebackers in today's NFL are a little bit slimmer and more mobile so they can move in the passing game. And then he still played with some intense physicality. So yeah, it was only, you know, 40 something snaps that we saw out of him, but Man, he came as advertised, and just after watching the linebackers last season, I thought that was the most disappointing part of the defense many times uh, for the Browns. He just looked like a totally different animal out there. The other thing that was impressive about it, too, is you think about, like, he came into training camp with COVID, right? So he he missed the first couple of days of practice. So, I mean, for him to miss those couple of days as a rookie come in and then his first action was just impressive snap after impressive snap, like – yeah, there was a couple of moments where he was kind of like, okay, that was a rookie play. But other than that, it was, I mean, it was good for the most part, right? Eight tackles. He had a sack as well. And really the speed was evident from the second he stepped on the field. And we talked about needing to get quicker at linebacker, needing to get quicker at defensive back. Well, I mean, certainly gotten quicker at linebacker, just bringing his speed in. And then I think that he, I mean, if he keeps performing like he has and he's able to bring all of that to the field in this team and that defense, well, I think he's definitely going to challenge for one of those starting linebacker spots, going back to a couple of podcasts before where we kind of talked about who was going to start at that linebacker room. I mean, if he keeps playing like this, man, I mean, I don't see how you can't start him. Well, that's what I said uh, on my reaction pod yesterday, too, is I, I feel a lot better about my prediction that he's going to start <laughs> the season week one against the Chiefs just because of how fast he was. And it just jumped off the the screen. It was so evident. Like, you're never going to, I mean, he, he came in in the second quarter, right? He did not play against a lot of first stringers. And let's be honest, even the Jags first stringers aren't exactly the elite of the elite in the NFL. But what you're looking for is it's like, okay, are they dominating the second and third stringers? Because that's at least a start, right? Like that's at least a, a good baseline of like, okay, at least they can handle that. And yeah, he dominated the second and third stringers. It looks like they didn't belong on the field with him. And so I think that's the encouraging thing. If you're a Browns fan, you're like, okay, those dudes could not hang with JOK. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, like you said, that was, it, it was as advertised. I mean, I was watching that for a second. I was like, how did this guy slip? And I know that there was that pre-draft um, heart issue. But apparently, you know, they had the medical staff look at him and, and everything was ruled that he was going to be fine. So, I mean, if that was the only thing that played in there, Henry, I mean, this is a, what we saw and what we might see down in the future. I mean, that's first-round talent right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people thought he might be the most, uh, you know, exciting linebacker in the draft for sure, and if not one of the most exciting defensive players in the entire draft, given his versatility. But you mentioned the health questions. You know, there's always that label of a, a tweener. You know, where does he fit in? Uh, and I think there were some concerns – off of uh, what was the guy that comes at Simmons. Simmons last year struggled a little bit in the Cardinals defensive system. So sometimes you can see that cascade from one draft to the next where it's like, oh, there's not a great position for him. You know, what are we going to do? And so maybe, you know, every team just kind of slowly starts passing on him for a guy that makes more fifth sense. But the beauty of the Browns is because, you know, the roster is deep enough that they, they can take some swings. They were able to slide in and get him. And I was just, I was really, really excited with what I saw from him. I, I think if he brings that kind of speed to this linebacking core, that will be a major upgrade and be essential when they're playing the best teams as well to have a guy, you know, to play at that speed against the Buffaloes and the Kansas cities. Yeah, without question, that speed too and zone coverage, everything that I think he might be able to do in terms of coverage, right? I mean, that's what 
a guy like Taki Taki left, right? Like, I mean, that guy, he, he's just not good in coverage. He's good against the run, but not good in coverage. So if you can have that balance at the linebacker position of a guy that excels at stopping the run and then a guy that excels at stopping the pass, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's night and day compared to what you had last year. And I mean, still 11 and five with that defense last year. And I mean, talk about massive upgrades. This is certainly going to be one of them if he stays healthy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Jordan, I think that the player that caught a lot of people's eye was Richard LeCount in particular. Yeah, he had the interception. He had another break up, up pass uh, on the side. Yeah, here's the here's the thing about that interception, Henry. You or I could call that pass. Yes, I mean, let's exactly. Be, let's be realistic. Like, that's, come on. that's what I said. Is I was like, that was not his most impressive play of the night by any means. That being said, you know, is there? You know, I don't. I I certainly don't think he's going to contend for starting spot or anything like that. But you've got you know Grant Delpit not playing right now. Obviously recovering from the the torn Achilles. But I it was nice to see that that he showed some range. I think. Yeah, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, "Oh well, you know he." And this is true. He was injured during his pro day. That accounts for some of his slow testing measurements, and that he's going to play faster. And that very well may be true. But also, yeah, he was making a lot of plays uh, against the, you know, the second and third stringers as well. So it's hard to tell if that speed, you know, will really become a factor or an issue until until he's against some better competition. I think. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it's always good to see a young player excel and play well. But I mean, at the end of the day, Henry, the fact of the matter is that if Richard McCount has to see significant time for the Browns, ultimately at the end of the day, that means something went severely wrong to the point where he's on the field, right? So, like, I, I, nothing probably, against you, probably. Richard, but, like, if we see you, it's probably meaning, like, code red situation for that defense. Probably, but, you know, Joe, Joe Woods, lots of, lots of you know, three <laughs> safety looks. Maybe he slides in there with an injury or two. No, I, I'm right there with you. I don't think that, that he's going to be on the field a whole lot. I wouldn't say there were any code red situations that came out of this game, Jordan, by any means, but there were a couple – of minor concerns i think you know I, of course coming out of preseason the place to start is injuries the the biggest bummer being that that steven carlson had a knee injury he's out for the year uh he was one of the five players cut from the browns roster today to go from 90 to 85 yeah he was probably going to make this roster as the fourth tight end now he's out not a major impact but but definitely 
uh, in not, not something you like to see. It does give the Browns a little bit more, you know, flexibility because they really don't have a fourth tight end that they're probably going to keep, uh, you know, now in camp. So it's probably, you know, is it another running back receiver? Is it another corner? There's a little bit more room to play there. But then the other thing, Jordan, that I think, you know, is a guy that, that we both have our eye on is Mac Wilson. Uh, he, he suffered a sprain uh, injury and he's going to be down for the count for just a little while. Uh, nothing major, but I was disappointed because, all, you know, I'll you know, be the first to admit that I was not expecting a lot from Mac Wilson. I thought he could be a surprise cut candidate. And then everything we were seeing in all the videos was all this hype about Mac Wilson. I really wanted to see him play. And so for him to only get out there for a few snaps before getting injured, I thought was uh, a, a, a big bummer in terms of something I was looking forward to. Yeah. And I agree because I was looking forward to it too. And I've heard good things. I've seen good things from him in camp. So I wanted to see him apply that. And you missed so much time last year that you just want to see him get out on the field and hit someone. Right. So, I mean, it was a little disheartening to see, but at the end of the day, it, it doesn't look like it's anything serious. I think he's just day to day. So some silver lining there, at least. Yeah. Grade one uh, sprained AC joint. So that's the shoulder and shoulder. Yeah. It's one, two or three and one being the least severe. So uh, I've actually had that injury before myself. It's, it's not too bad. Uh, it gets worse though. <laughs> if the higher grades are a little bit less fun, but those are uh, a very common hockey injury as well. Uh, the only other thing that concerned me a little bit, Jordan, is I didn't love what I saw from Andrew Billings. And then at, at first I was like, oh, my, I, I'm by no means a def, you know, defensive line expert. But then Jake Burns actually flagged the same thing in his film breakdown this morning. And so I felt a little bit more vindicated there. And so I'll, I'll bring it up in a little bit more earnest than I did on the podcast last night that – I'm not, you know, insanely worried by any means uh, about Andrew Billings, but I am a little bit only because the Browns don't really have another guy that does what he does on the roster. Like Jordan Elliott is more of a Malik Jackson type. He's not, he doesn't have quite the size of an Andrew Billings. You're talking just like swallowing up space. Yeah, just being like, yeah. a, a, you know, the bigger interior defensive lineman. Sheldon Day is a little bit more like that. And, and obviously, he had the sack on Trevor Lawrence. But there were some really ugly reps against the run. Again, I think it, it was like nine total reps. So not the end of the world by any means. But there were a couple where you're like, this he got like pushed around a lot. I don't know if you share any of those concerns at all. I get what you're saying, but I think that it really just comes up to this. Henry, he was an opt out last year for COVID and this is basically his first real football action in over a year. So, I mean, you expect, I mean, you got to dust the cobwebs off and all that. I just think it was more of a getting rust off and like, look, we have three preseason games and the rest of training camp to do that. Um, you know, if it comes down to it in game three, that dress rehearsal game where we're kind of seeing the same thing, then I'll be a little bit worried. But to me, it's just a conditioning, kind of getting back out there, getting the feel for, you know, being in a real game for the first time in over a year. I think that's really all it came down to for Billings. But I had high hopes for him, too. So it was kind of a little disappointing to see that, Henry. But again, at the end of the day, I think he just needs to get more reps and get back into that, you know, game shape. It's just a little strange, too, because the, the defensive line was easily the best unit last season and now I feel like that defensive tackle position is one of those where I have you know some questions maybe more questions than I do at some of the other uh, positions right now just because I'm that confident in the secondary 
and those additions really solving a lot of issues there. And I do think the linebackers will be fine, but I, again, you're, you're right. I'm not going to take too much out of it uh, by any means, but it's just something I'm going to have my eye on going forward for sure. And I, another thing that Jake pointed out in his film breakdown that I loved, and I brought this on the podcast up yesterday because he tweeted about it first, um, is that the Browns had a coverage sack last night be, or, or two nights ago, I guess, at this point, because Greg Newsom communicated uh, like a proper handoff, uh, you know, on a, on a crossing play of two receivers. And so they didn't mess it up, which the Browns did all the time last year. Jacksonville had nowhere to go with the ball. And eventually the Browns got a sack. And I was like, wow. When was the last time the Browns had a coverage sack? It feels like that did oh, not it's happen been a while. season. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, man, that is an exciting, that is an exciting concept that the Browns might have a good enough secondary this year. I was like, can you imagine if Miles Garrett has like yeah. half a second to a second more on five snaps a game this season than he did last season? Like what that would mean for the Browns? I that part got me excited, even though it was such a small thing, it did not matter at all in the, in the flow of the game. But I was like, Ooh, that, that, that could be a new wrinkle to this Browns defense. <laughs> Sounding like a true football guy over there, Henry, just getting excited about coverage sacks, man, covered sacks. <laughs> no, I love, no, it's a good point though. I mean, it's right when you said that I immediately started thinking about Miles Garrett, right? Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, like you said, if they're, give that, give those guys an extra second to get to the quarterback and then, you look at like that's going to be reversed too, right? There's going to be times where Miles and Jadavion are so dominant that all of a sudden that forces a bad pass, and then all of a sudden the defensive line is aiding the secondary and vice versa. And they didn't have that last year, so that potentially have that wrinkle added to the defense this year, Henry. Yeah, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited like you are. Don't worry. I'm not jumping off the screen like you are, but I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I I really like didn't think I was going to be that invested, and then I I I was like. I DVR yep. the game because I was like, oh, you know, it's Saturday night. Like I'm, I'm going to be in and out, whatever. And then when the game came on, I was struggling to get up off my couch to go to my Saturday night plans. And then I ended up catching some more of it in the third quarter. And I was like, wow, I'm glad I DVR this. I'm going to, I'm going to have to check out this whole thing later. And, and that's just the, the football sickness in me, but yeah. Jordan, I don't think there's a whole lot more to say, unless you have anything else. The Browns are off from practice today. I mentioned they had the five cuts, you know, nothing, no big names. There are a lot of injury related stuff. So, so nothing, I, I thought that was really worth touching on in a major way. Yeah, no, I think we hit everything we needed to from the preseason game. And like you said, they're off today, Henry, but maybe just a couple of things to look forward to, right? They got the giants coming up this weekend. And of course those joint practices with the giants will take place at the end of this week, uh, leading into that. Uh, I think they're only Brown's only home game of the preseason, which would be next, uh, Saturday, I believe. And yeah, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see how those like, I, I think a lot of coaches now believe that like, those joint practices are probably might even be more paramount in terms of importance to, uh, you know, developing a team than even these preseason games are. And I think the reason that being is like, you know, injuries and all that, you, you don't want that to happen in preseason, because it's more of a, it's not necessarily a controlled, you know, flow, I think you can the, a, a joint practice is way more of a controlled system and, and everything that's going to happen, but you're going to get some good work in too. And let's be honest, these guys on the Browns, they're tired of hitting each other in practice. They're ready to crack someone else. So this will be a big week for them in terms of growth, growth, how everything that comes around, it'd be interesting to see how the giants too. I really know that's going on with them in training camp and how feisty they've been fighting each other. It seems like almost every day we hear about a melee <laughs> at giants practice. So uh, see how, see how it plays out this week, Henry. 
Yeah, that there, there may be some interesting storylines out of that. The joint practices too. I think the other nice part about those, and I, I don't know if it was Stefanski or somebody else was saying this, but you get situation control. So you know, yeah. you, you may get one two-minute drill in a preseason game. You may not even get a, a two-minute drill to run in a preseason game, but you can run three or four of them against another team. You know, in in one week or in one practice, even. If you want to, you get a little bit more uh, of reps in that way as well with certain situational things that come up in games, but won't necessarily, you know, are guaranteed to come up in, in a preseason game. Yeah, the Giants, though, there is uh, following the, the Blue Wire guys that we had on this podcast uh, from Big Blue Banter to preview the Giants game last season. Not only are they fighting a lot in camp, there are some some bad, bad clips coming out of Giants camp. One in particular stuck out with me. It was so funny. The guy tweeted out, the Giants offensive line missed picking up a blitz. So there was a free rusher. Daniel Jones eludes the free rusher, throws it to a linebacker with nobody within like 10 yards of this linebacker, like no receiver, no running back. He had to honestly just like confuse the jerseys. I hope for his sake that he confused the jerseys because it was that bad. And then the linebacker drops the ball. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, and it was like, that sums up the Giants training camp so far. It sounds like things have been really ugly there, both from the play and, as you mentioned, from the, the fighting perspective as well. So, uh, yeah, who knows? But here's the thing. You combine both those things, right? Like, poor play with just, like, hotheads going on. Like, that's going to result in frustration. And that's going to – I mean, you're going to take that out on an opponent. So, I mean, the Browns got to keep a level head. I remember a couple of years ago, remember when they did the joint practices with uh, – I, I, I don't refer to him on name by name on radio, so I won't refer to him by name on this podcast either. I'll just go when Lord Baltimore was the uh, because you know, he he who shall not be named was the coach of the Browns in 2019. They had those joint practices with the, the Indianapolis Colts, and I remember there was like a fight every practice, and he came out and was, Yeah, it's a good thing, and everyone was like, Whoa, whoa, that was kind of like the first red flag of like, we sure this is the right guy to be in charge of this team. So I, I, that's not going to happen with Kevin Stefanski, but just to compare and contrast how this joint practice session is going to go with the one in 2019, because obviously there weren't any last year. Lord Voldemort. Wow. Yeah. Know, yep. uh, he uh, who shall not be named. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, for those wondering out there. <laughs> I, uh, I do not have any such rules or restrictions. I, I'm also surprised that Jordan has that strong of feelings towards Freddie Kitchens, but uh, I digress. Uh, yeah, so that we'll have that to look forward to this week. We'll be back with more podcasts to talk about any storylines that come out of the joint practices, and 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 hopefully there'll be some more uh, fun news that, that that we'll be able to cover here from training camp. It's been all good for the most part so far, Jordan. Which it, you know, through this point, to only have one you know real injury that that that's major news, and for it to be a guy that's not yeah you know, essential to the roster. Meanwhile, you're you know you're seeing. I think every Ravens receiver, uh, every starting receiver was out at practice today. So I, the Browns so far, knock on wood, are, uh, are pretty unscathed. Yeah, I'm knocking on wood hard right now. Stay healthy. Stay healthy. I did. My table is wood. Let it be known. All right, Browns yeah, fans. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for this episode. Uh, it just, you know, more content coming later this week. But until next time, two words for you. Go Browns.